0: On the podcast, I will be joined each week by an exciting guest to help provide evidence-based information and advice about both the perimenopause and the menopause.
1: So today with me, I thought it'd be really useful to share a real life experience because it's always really good talking to experts, but you learn so much more from real women talking about their real stories. So today, I'm very delighted to introduce to you Vicky. So thanks, Vicky, for coming onto the studio today. Hi, thank you for having me. So do you want to just explain a little bit about you and what's been happening? And then we can just talk through in a bit more detail, if that's okay. Yeah, of course.
2: Okay, so I'm 39 years old. I started my periods when I was 10 years old. I was still at primary school and straight away they were really painful, really heavy, having time off school, feeling quite isolated and alienated, I guess, from my friends and just not being able to talk to anyone about what was going on because it was such a taboo subject back then. It's obviously moved on a lot more, but not as much as I'd like now. So these were carrying on. I first went to the doctors when I was about 12 and they put me on some medication and just said it was part of growing up and just my age and i will soon, um, you know, adapt to them and they'll settle down. They didn't. And when I was 15, I then went on the pill. I was put on the contraceptive pill to try and manage my periods. This wasn't something that, you know, I wanted to go on. I didn't really know much about the pill, and that was to me the pill was just to stop me getting pregnant, not to help manage my periods. But I went on it, and since then, I've never been able to handle synthetic hormones. They just haven't agreed with me. They've made me really more anxious, depressed. I gained a lot of weight on them, and actually, they didn't do much for the pain. Um, they did slow the bleeding down, but that was probably about it. So then I got into a physical relationship when I was about, I think, 21, 22, and I was getting really painful sex, bleeding after sex. My periods were really heavy, but much more heavy and painful than they had been. I was fainting because of them, and I kept going back to my doctors, and they just kept saying it must be an STD or an infection that I'd had. So I was constantly having tests to see if I'd had an STD, and I didn't, and I spoke to my dad because he, had, at the time, he had private healthcare, and he said you could always go and ask them for a checkup with someone else. So I pushed to be referred to a gynecologist because I'd read a little bit of information online about endometriosis, and I, I matched all the symptoms. So I've always done like my own research even back then, and I just knew that how I was feeling. I felt like I was having a lot of water infections around my periods. Fatigue, the bleeding was just like I couldn't control it. Pain, I was having time off work, and I was referred to a gynecologist and I had my first laparoscopy where they found endometriosis. So, how old were you then? So, I think I was about 22, 21, 22, it was around that age. So, it was 10 years after I'd first been to the doctors and they spotted endometriosis, they burnt it away. And just said that would be it, I'll be sorted and I wouldn't need to return. And this continued, I, I was still in a lot of pain. It probably did settle down for a few months, but then it came back. The pain came back, the heavy bleeding came back, the fatigue. And this just continued then for further up until I was 35 when I had a hysterectomy because I was advised that would be the best decision for me. And I'd had six previous laparoscopies before I chose a hysterectomy and before I
1: you know, took loads of painkillers, hormone treatments, etc. Mm. So when you had the hysterectomy, did they remove everything then? Did they take your ovaries out as well?
2: No, they didn't. I was advised not to have my ovaries taken out and that it would just be a simple hysterectomy that would remove any endometriosis they found remove my cervix my uterus and my tubes and leave my ovaries but I wasn't given any information about if or when I might be going into menopause I had no support at all I was just told that would be the best thing for me to do.
1: And did you know anything about the menopause at that stage because obviously you were young and Mm. did anyone talk to you about or did you hear anything from anyone else about the menopause?
2: Yeah so My mum suffered quite badly with the menopause with symptoms so I knew vaguely well I knew what it was but I never imagined that I would you know come into the menopause as soon as I did post-surgery. I thought it would be you know many years on I thought this would just stop my periods not cause Mm. other problems.
1: So how did you realise that you were menopausal then? Because obviously most people know because they're not having periods, but as many yeah. of you listening know, if you don't have your womb, you don't have periods. So how did you realize? So
2: physical symptoms, my skin changed, I was getting a lot of eczema under my eyes, and my face just felt dry, my nails were really brittle and dry, my hair was falling out in the shower, I washed my hair, and it was just come out in lumps and really dry hair I was having a lot of night sweats a lot of hot sweats during the night hot and cold sweats I had really bad insomnia anxiety fatigue and yeah I just felt flat and I I just felt that there was something not right just nothing made sense really.
1: So was it easy to get help for you did you manage to go and get some help once you realised what was going
2: on? I was in touch at the time with well I still am with a women's health physiotherapist and if it wasn't for her matching those symptoms and advising me to come to your clinic then I think I'd have struggled a lot more than I had but it took at least probably 18 months before I got some proper support. So
1: that's a long time isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you just had a big operation you're in your 30s got your life ahead of you and then you're flawed with all these symptoms and it sometimes takes someone else to realize what's going on because as you've experienced and lots of us have experienced when you're in it yourself your brain often doesn't work properly it's quite hard to think rationally and actually just getting through each day can be quite difficult Mm. so to have someone externally whether it's a friend a relative or like you say a healthcare professional saying to you then did it feel scary when she said that or did you feel a relief that there was a reason for you to have all these symptoms
2: uh yeah I felt a relief but I was still really confused because I had my ovaries Mm. and I think like a lot of younger women who are going through surgical menopause or early menopause we feel that you know people don't actually believe us and we struggle to be heard and I just felt like I had the hysterectomy and everyone thought that I would be instantly better if I did as well. So I didn't feel relieved. I just felt like it was another battle, I guess. And it has been an ongoing battle to try and get the right HRT
1: as well. So really, really hard because some of you might know when people have a hysterectomy, there is some evidence that women then have an earlier menopause because the blood supply to the womb and the blood supply to the ovaries is shared they do have their own blood supply as well and so some women do have an earlier menopause of course no one knows when their menopause is going to be so you could have had an earlier menopause even if you still had a womb it's impossible to know but we know that women can and so certainly it is really important I think that all women that have a hysterectomy whether they have their ovaries in or out have information before the operation actually yeah. the guidelines from NICE are very clear that if someone has their ovaries removed at the same time obviously that means they will go into a surgical menopause. So then those women should be given information and ideally be given HRT as soon as they leave the mm. uh, hospital unless there's reason why they aren't to be prescribed it but for women who've had a hysterectomy, it's very difficult. And so one of the reasons, one well, lots of reasons, why I developed the Balance app. But one of the reasons is that you should really be sent home to say do these symptoms every three months, and if they start to change, really alert yourself to the fact yeah. that could it be the menopause, and mm-hmm. that might have saved you a few months of suffering, mightn't it, if that's happened to you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think actually I would have. Being more clued up for the hysterectomy itself, I probably would have asked for my ovaries to be removed. But in hindsight, having a hysterectomy was not the best decision for me. And I wish if I'd have known, I mean, some of it I could probably blame on myself for not researching it as much as I should have done. But I didn't know where to go for the research. I didn't mm-hmm. know about women's health physiotherapists. I didn't know about menopause doctors. I didn't have a clue. I have changed my doctors and my GPs surgery since but I did go to the do- doctors just before my hysterectomy and asked if I could speak to someone just to kind of help my mental health and help with that decision but again I was just fobbed off basically I wasn't given any support or help I just felt like I was I made this decision myself and I just follow what my surgeon
1: told me that it would be the best thing for me. It's very hard when you're on your own isn't it I think as patients we're very vulnerable actually and mm. The older I get, I suppose the wiser I get, but also Mm -hmm. I've had quite a lot of hospital consultations either for me or my family, and you realise that every word that doctor tells you is the most important words that you're going to hear. And one of my children had sepsis a few years ago, and my husband, who's also a doctor, he's a surgeon. Mm -hmm. We um, took obviously it in turns to stay overnight. And in the morning, I remember I was sleeping just on a camp bed next to her in the ward. Mm -hmm. And I would be too scared to go and chew my teeth or even go to the toilet because I didn't want to miss the consultant ward round because I knew he'd come very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I was there waiting and waiting and waiting. And then he would come And I would be just so desperate to hear anything. And I was often too scared to ask questions as well. Mm. It sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it, for me as a doctor? And my husband felt the same, actually. And it is that whole thing. But then I also think it's sometimes very hard to challenge. And so, Mm. I mean, this is a very big example, but when my daughter was admitted with sepsis, it was in her hip and no one believed how much pain she was in. And I said to the doctor, because he was going to send her home. And I said, look, I really want an MRI scan. There's something else going on. She's really poorly, actually. I'm very scared. And I heard him ordering the MRI. And he said, uh, because of the curtains, don't really, they still see him, but you can still hear. See, on the other side of the curtain, he said to the X-ray department, I've got this very anxious mother here, and she's a doctor, so I feel we should probably do the scan tonight. Mm. And I was really upset, actually, because I was very anxious. My daughter was ill. She had an MRI scan. She had this big infection in the bones and the joint, in her sacriolac joint. And then they came out and said, actually, she's really poorly. We need to take her to the world and give her some treatment whatever." Yeah. And in the morning, actually, he did apologise to me. Good. But I thought, actually, that's me because I was being quite forceful because I knew something was wrong. But actually, yes. for other people, and I do really think more and more that anybody should mm-hmm. have some sort of advocate or someone else really there when they're making decisions. Yeah. And also, I think it's really important that, we know that we don't have to make a decision on the spot because that's also sometimes if someone says you need something, you can do, and you know, and that's very hard because you haven't got all the information. You don't know what you don't know, do you? No, of course. later on down the
2: line. Yeah, of course. And I think this is why I'm pushing for more awareness around this subject because you know your body better than anyone else. But I think with endometriosis, with menopause, our symptoms Are hidden almost a lot of them, and a lot of it is put down to mental health, poor mental health. But Mm. actually, the pain that you go through and the symptoms that people can't see is the cause for a lot of mental health. And when your mental health is so low and you know you're struggling so much, you haven't got it in you to keep pushing for these answers, you almost give up, and Mm. then everything just mounts up. So, yeah, this is why I'm so passionate, I guess, now to just try and help other women go through it because. If I'd have known, as I said earlier, if I'd have known what I know now about hysterectomy, about endometriosis, about menopause, etc., I wouldn't have had a hysterectomy unless I was completely clued up on what I was going to, you know, have coming up. Yeah, so I I just don't want other women basically to go through what I went through and if I can help in any way, then, then I will.
1: Well, talking about it is really helpful. And yeah. for those people that's listening that don't know what endometriosis is, do you want to explain what endometriosis <laughs> is, basically?
2: Yeah, of course. Sorry, I should have done this earlier. <laughs> so, endometriosis is a chronic condition, and it's where tissue that's similar to the lining of your uterus grows in other parts of your body. It can grow in any part of the body, and um, it has been found in, I think, every part of the body now. Last time I I looked into it, it was around 180 million women have the condition, have been diagnosed with the condition, but it takes a long time for diagnosis. It can take up to eight years for some. And for me, myself, you know, from the first time I went to the doctors to being diagnosed, it took around 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to think that things have changed now. This was 15 years or more years ago now and it hasn't it's still exactly the same I think the treatment has changed and there's a lot more awareness and there's you know better consultants for the condition but awareness itself is just lacking and it's That's
1: everywhere. Yeah, so it's about one in ten women who develop endometriosis. And like you say, the length of time, the average length of time is many years. Yeah. So that means many years of suffering. And it can start young, like you say. Mm. So people are missing school because of it. They're missing jobs or they're not going for promotions or they're leaving their job. And it's very difficult when it's pain that you can't see. Mm. If you had a big scar or rash down your arm, you could show people and they would give you sympathy. But it's also something about women's problems, isn't it? Yeah, It's bad enough having migraine or a pain that could happen in men and women. But when you start to talk about a a womb-related or a gynae-related pain, then it's very difficult for people to understand and be taken seriously, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely
1: it is, yeah. I don't
2: think that people actually understand it's like I don't understand some conditions and that's because I've never had to go Mm -hmm. through that and people don't understand it unless you're walking that path yourself but the only way people are going to know is by being open and honest but we're still very reluctant to do that because the fear of being doubted and a lot of people think that we're just lazy I think and we can't be bothered because even now I struggle with fatigue and body aches and pains and low energy, low mood. And I know people think, Oh, just go for a walk, it will help you. But when you're in pain and but people can't see that pain, it's so much harder. Mm. Like you say, if I had a plaster or or a cast on my leg for example, then it would be better understood and I'd be better supported.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really sad also when you said earlier about young people, especially who've had a surgical menopause Mm don't get listened to, don't get understood as well. And I was just reviewing something from an organisation talking about menopause in the workplace, and it was talking yeah. about 50 plus. Yeah, And it did actually say, when I looked at the smaller print, it did say one in 100 women under the age of 40 having early menopause. How yeah. nice of them. But just mention <laughs> the name 50. And on the front of the brochure, it was older women that yeah. picked this off. And actually, it's hard enough to have the menopause taken seriously anyway. But Mm. it's even harder when you're young, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No disrespect to you, you don't look like the average menopausal woman. (laughs) You Google menopause, it isn't someone young like Mm. you, is it, that you see? No, of course. And so then it's very difficult for people to understand. And for some people in this, they might know that when women have had endometriosis, it can be sometimes quite difficult to get the right dose and type of HRT because estrogen, can stimulate any leftover endometrial tissue and I have done a podcast talking with Chris Mann more medically really about treatment so it might be worth some of you listening to that as well but it is finding a balance with the hormones so that you can get the good bits for the menopause but it doesn't affect any endometriosis.
2: Mm, Of course yeah and that's something that I have had to um, well you know with support from you now I I feel that I am on the right dose some days I do feel that I dip but it's managing that myself and maybe sometimes I need to add extra oestrogen. Some days I've got gel as well as wearing two patches, so some days I will top up with gel or or change my patches a day earlier. But also with endometriosis, if someone's had a hysterectomy, we're not told that we should be taking progesterone as well alongside oestrogen because, as you said before, oestrogen can stimulate any endometriosis um, that might be left over or that might have regrown or, or anything.
1: So it can be difficult. And certainly I was looking recently at what various different societies recommend and different mm-hmm. experts recommend about giving HRT after a hysterectomy if someone's had endometriosis, because like you say, if you don't have endometriosis and we remove the wound, then we normally don't give progesterone. But if you've had endometriosis and had surgery, there could be some endometrial tissue left behind, yeah, so some people say, well, everyone who's had endometriosis and they have a hysterectomy, you should always give progesterone. Some people say you should give progesterone for two years. And then some don't really mention it at all. And Mm -hmm. I think there there can't be any black and white wounds because every woman's different, regardless of whether she has endometriosis (laughs) or not. Every woman who's got endometriosis is different. And so sometimes it's not very extensive. It's quite local. It could just be on the fallopian tubes or the ovaries. A woman has all her ovaries and her tubes and her wound taken out. And the surgeon might be very confident that every bit of endometriosis is taken out. So those women actually probably don't need any progesterone. Mm. There might be other women where there is some elsewhere, and those women we often do give progesterone to, and often they need progesterone forever, but that's fine as well. But often people with endometriosis really know their pain of endometriosis. So if they weren't on enough progesterone, or they weren't on any, and they were getting a bit of flare-up, then they know they can Mm. add in progesterone, and they've got... Some patients with very severe endometriosis despite having surgery and they use yeah. double progesterone and that really calms down that tissue and they normally mm. take it every night to keep it all quiescent and then they can have the right dose and type of oestrogen and often testosterone as well. So it's very really important that people are in control and it's they have the right dose for them as well. It's not a one-size-fits-all, yeah. is it, HL? No, of course, no, <laughs>
2: not at all. I mean... Two years, last January, sorry, I had further surgery for endometriosis and this was two years post hysterectomy and this is just what I was saying before that you know your own body better than anyone but it's just such a battle to be heard and understood. It took me at least 12 months to be heard and to get the right surgeon to listen to me after my hysterectomy and find that I had extensive endometriosis post hysterectomy and it's just such a minefield but I think if you don't do your own research you don't be your own advocate Mm. then you know you will forever be unheard so it's pushing
1: for answers but pushing also for more awareness. Yes which is so important and it's awareness not just for women but also for healthcare professionals as well actually and some of you might have heard already I didn't have any formal training about the menopause but I didn't have actually much training about endometriosis as well Mm. it is quite difficult to diagnose, isn't it? It's, you can't yeah. just do a blood test or even a scan, actually. But sometimes you'll never know for sure, but sometimes some of the first-level treatments, and sometimes we do give hormone treatments, sometimes a contraceptive pill can work really well. Yeah. So actually, for some people... They don't have to have lots of operations to have the diagnosis if the treatment's working well for them. And this is where you're saying it's absolutely crucial that women are listened to because if women are experiencing symptoms mm. despite being on whatever treatment they're given, then they need to be heard and they need to have the appropriate investigations and treatments as well. Don't yeah, they? absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So it's it is very important that people monitor their symptoms as well because certainly when they're having periods, they often find that don't
2: know if it happened with your endometriosis, but it can change throughout the cycle, can't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Do you mean, like, through the actual period itself?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's
2: Yeah, right. so mine was very heavy. The first three days were especially heavier. And then it would slow down to almost no bleeding. And then the last day, I would get a lot of bleeding again. But even though, and it's going into detail, but even, like, the type of blood that I was producing was inconsistent. I won't go into too much no, detail, but yeah, I think it's just knowing, you know, what to look for mm. and you're not going to know unless you look. Even Google, go on Endometriosis UK, look on other sites, forums on Facebook, etc., and Instagram and do as much research as you can to know what you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And some people find it really useful to have a diary actually, because throughout a yeah. month symptoms can change. Mm. And mm. because oestrogen levels fluctuate as well people sometimes find certain days their pain of the endometriosis or other symptoms are worse and then yeah. if you have a diary from say three to six months you quite often see there's a cyclical pattern mm-hmm. my husband as I already said is a surgeon his urologist and he saw a patient recently who had some endometriosis tissue on their urethra, so the bit that they wee out of, mm-hmm. this woman had gone to all sorts of specialists. And then he sat down and took a very, very clear, detailed history and story from this lady. And she was very clear that this awful pain mm. that she was getting mm. only occurred for two days every month. That was all. The rest of the time yeah. she was fine. So no one believes that they thought she was, no. do you say, it was her mental state, it was something else mm-hmm. going on. And then he said to her, I think you've got an endometrioma, which is, as you know, some endometrial tissue. Yeah. So he took her to theatre. Found it, cut it out, and she was absolutely fine. But she'd had about eight years of suffering. Yeah. And I said, Gosh, you're very clever. He said, No, Louise, it's always the one of the story. You just sometimes need to take a bit longer listening. Yeah. Which is very good because he doesn't always listen to me at home. He usually listens to the patient. I no, never do. <laughs> but that's very important. So I think a lot of medicine, although hopefully as healthcare professionals we're good at diagnosing, like you say, if people have the information, then mm. patients can often make some of the diagnosis themselves, which can hopefully mean that they'll get listened to and get the right treatment a bit sooner. Yeah, of course. So I'm very grateful that you've been so open because it's not easy talking about your own experience. <laughs> no. And I feel exhausted just listening to you all, this, <laughs> sorry. all the battles. No, I feel so sorry <laughs> for you because I feel that, you know, you're young, you've been let down, but it's not an unusual story. Yeah, no, it's but not. A lot of women do get treatment quicker, which is great, but there needs mm. to be, like you say, a completely different slant with more awareness, more understanding, more education
0: yeah. for
1: women, for partners, for healthcare professionals. Mm. We've just written a booklet, which you've kindly been helping with, yeah. on endometriosis and the menopause. And I I love the detail, it's been so fantastic, and we've had some mm. great comments, Good. and we'll put a link to it in the notes, because I really want to try and... Help people being empowered with information. So I'm very grateful for you today, Victoria. No, that's very okay. nice. Thank you as well. <laughs> Thank you for letting me. So just before you go, three tips. So if women are struggling, either they think they've got endometriosis, they have got endometriosis. What would you suggest they do?
2: Well, as I've been saying the whole way through, so you know, do your own research and be yep. your own advocate. Just keep pushing for answers. Keep pushing your GP make them listen. As you said earlier, do a pain diary or take someone with you who sees the pain that you're in every day so you'll listen to. And also, even if you haven't yet been diagnosed or you have been diagnosed, just learn as much about the condition as you can. Because, you know, treatment isn't just surgery. There's a change your diet, exercise if possible, but I know fatigue can get in the way of that vitamin supplements etc and you know as I, I see a women's health physio there's loads of different things that can help you and I think most importantly something that I wish I'd have known about it all known is that a hysterectomy isn't a cure for endometriosis but if it is the right decision for you then you know get some menopause and HRT support and be clued up on that as well and just keep pushing
1: pushing and pushing <laughs> sure. i don't know if those were three answers they were, they were very good very good <laughs> and i know that what you've been through is a lot but i also know that you sharing is really going to help so many people so thanks ever so much for being so brave and open today no thank you
0: for more information about the perimenopause and menopause please visit my website balance-menopause.com Or you can download the free Balance app, which is available to download from the App Store or from Google Play.